Welcome to Freya's Fairy Tales. We believe fairy tales are both stories we enjoyed as children and something that we can achieve ourselves. Each week, we will talk to authors about their favorite fairy tales when they were kids and their adventure to holding their very own fairy tale in their hands. At the end of each episode, we will finish off with a fairy tale or short story read as close to the original author's version as possible. I am your host, Freya Victoria. I'm an audiobook narrator that loves reading fairy tales, novels, and bringing stories to life through narration. I am also fascinated by talking to authors and learning about their why and how for creating their stories. We've included all of the links for today's author and our show in the show notes. Be sure to check out our website and sign up for our newsletter for the latest on the podcast. Today is part one of two, where we are talking to Alexia Onyx about her novels. Over the next two weeks, you will hear about starting by writing poetry and short stories, and evolving to partial novels that never become fully fledged. Making sure you love your story, learning as you go and improving, figuring out social media marketing, building your author path around what you love to avoid burnout, and hiring out for the things you need help with. Come out, come out. She's creeping slowly toward death. He's determined to keep her alive. Aiden, my little wraith torments herself in a desperate attempt to escape from the pain that runs deep in her veins. I could be that escape if she'd only let me. I will own her pain, her suffering and her pleasure. I just need her to see me. Sky. Every day is a burden that pushes me closer and closer to my end. I always found the notion of death romantic. I never could have predicted how right I would be. Come Out, Come Out is a spicy paranormal dark romance with a plus-sized main character, depression representation, bi and pan main characters. For readers who loved Tate and Violet and wanted to be Casper and Cat. Please note, this book contains heavy themes including depression, suicidal ideation, grief, and loss. A complete list of content warnings is provided by the author. The podcast is Freya's Fairy Tales, and that is fairy tales in two ways. Fairy tales are something that we either read or watched or had read to us as kids. It is also the journey for you to spend weeks, months, or years working on your book to then hold that in your hands as a fairy tale for you. So I like to start off with, what was your favorite fairy tale when you were a kid, and did that favorite change as you got older? Yeah, I will say my favorite fairy tale was probably The Little Mermaid. Um, I love mermaids, and that is really what sparked my like fascination with them. Mm-hmm. And also, I've always just loved kind of like a a like um star-crossed lovers kind of romance and I feel like that has always been kind of a part of the Little Mermaid tale no matter the iteration of it so I've Mm -hmm. always really enjoyed that um but also my favorite childhood story was the girl with the green ribbon um so you know I think that really sparked my love for like horror stories that weren't necessarily like they were it was child appropriate but it definitely like engaged that part of my brain and like I just could not get enough of it and I've always loved that story even though there's like a bunch of different uh, spins on it now. Mm-hmm. And so, um, did did are those still your favorites now, or did it kind of ch- um, evolve? <laughs> I will say they've held pretty steadfast. I'm a very like once I find something I love, I rarely let it go. <laughs> so <laughs> I will say that they're still very influential to my work. And so, you at what age did you kind of start writing? 
Yeah, so I've always pretty much been writing um, as a child. It was very much like poetry and to be fair, very cringe poetry. I was, very, <laughs> I was a very tortured soul for an eight-year-old. Um, but I, I've also written a lot of short stories, but I did not actually like write a full book uh, until I was like 30. Um, I had always just kind of like got bored with the idea or just not had the structure that I needed. Mm-hmm. And so you'd get like about how far into it before it... <laughs> I want to say I've gotten like 15 chapters into a book and I was oh, like, oh man, hmm. I, know. <laughs> I know, I know. That's a lot. So you have the day that this airs, your first full length will actually be out. How long did it take you to, to write the like first draft of it? Yeah, so the actual drafting didn't take very long because I started working on this story idea probably almost a year and a half ago now, but it has drastically changed from what it was going to be. But I had the idea, but I was working on other stuff for another pending that I have. So I had put it on hold, locked it away. I was like, you don't have time for this. And then when I came back to it, it was like, I had so much time to kind of mull it over in my head. Mm-hmm. And when I started drafting, I would say it only took me about two months to draft it. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you had another pen name because I'm pretty sure I follow both of them. <laughs> yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> and I saw, I saw, um, and if you don't want to connect to the two, we don't have to say what the other one is, but I, I saw the cover for this one that's coming out today and I was like, oh my gosh, that looks so cool. <laughs> I just, I love oh, the you. cover of it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I had a cover designer in mind, like literally since this first second I thought of this book idea I was like I have to have this cover designer I don't care how long I have to wait I will put the book off Mm -hmm. um so I got on their wait list like over a year ago oh gosh Um, yeah but it was so worth it to me because I knew that they would get the not that it's like a novel concept or anything but I knew that they would get like the elements that I wanted and I just love their covers like for every book that they do are like some of my absolute favorites and they happen to be a lot of my favorite books too so I was like I have to launch this on the right on the right mm-hmm. like cover. I was like, I just really want that. So thank you. I really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I have uh for my own book is launching in a couple weeks. And oh, there was like there was like one section in there where the editor like tried to remove I thought this was the coolest thing ever, but I was like, there's there's a chapter about like little drummer boy, and so he's like, you know, leading them into battle doing his little drum. And so I made this like drum beat kind of language thing where like different sets of drum beats oh, mean cool. different things like you know the archers need to come forward or get ready to shoot or shoot or like what whatever the sword people needs to go do sword things <laughs> I don't, yeah <laughs> I write the words I don't talk very well okay fair, fair. <laughs> and, so, and so I wrote like this language and my editor like tried to change like all this language and I'm like but no and I even had I had to rewrite the language because I had a friend of mine like make the audio clips for the drum mm-hmm. beats for the audio book. And so I rewrote what was in the book to match the actual audio oh, version. Um, and she was like, but does it have to match? And I'm like, yes, yes, it does. It has to be the way that I want it to be because that's yeah, the way fair. that I want it. If people skim I mean, over it, that's fine. <laughs> I think that's just always like a thing as being an author. There will always be things that you love in your story that like, even if no one else gets it, you need it there. Like you want yeah. it there. You love it so much. Like there's, I mean, I definitely believe in like killing your darlings to an extent, but like there are just some things where it's like that holds like a lot of meaning or value or like just something you absolutely love that you're not willing to part with. And I think like there are people who get it, but always like keeping those little parts for you, I think doesn't, I think it's important to do that for yourself. Cause like at the end of the day, like at least for me, like, I am what my target audience. 
um, mm-hmm. when I'm writing and I want, right. I want to love my books like for the long term, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm kind of like too, like, you know, imagine down the road, I have super fans and they're like five books later, they're like, oh, that's the drum beat for whatever. That's actually really cool to think about. So everything that I do, I'm like, it may be garbage. So far, nobody has hated it, but I'm like, it may be garbage and everybody may hate it, but I like it. And that makes me want to actually like promote the book and do what needs to be done. So I mean, honestly, like that's something I think that like you don't really realize until you're like in the thick of being an author is like you have if you don't like your book that baby is going nowhere like you're you're not going to promote right. it it's so hard to get yourself to promote a book that you love I can't even imagine promoting something I didn't because it's so hard to like take the time find the energy get inspired you know like it's so it's important to mm-hmm. love your own stories so you this is not your first book so let's focus on your first books for a while how has your process changed from like your first pen name and getting started and launching books like that? Like, did you, when you first got started, did you know to like get an editor or anything like that at the beginning? Like, what did you do with those first ones? Yeah. So I had been on book talk for a while before I published. Like I was very okay. much on, I was on here to like connect, like to read and like have friends and stuff. But I also like as soon as I got on book talk, I realized like, oh my gosh, this is what's going to propel me to become an author. Like I could feel like mm-hmm. the energy in the community. I was like, this is what it's going to take to like make that act, like make me stop quitting halfway through a book, you know? So it's going to inspire you. Yeah. So as soon as I realized that I started following a ton of authors, a ton of like, um, editors, just people in the industry narrators, um, cover designers. I just started following anyone I came across that I liked in the industry because I was like okay Uh this I need all this knowledge so I might as well just be passively consuming it until I'm ready to start right so by the time I was actually ready to publish I had like I had a pretty decent understanding of the process and what I needed to do so I did Uh have editors I did have um you know professional services done for it um I will say though like my process has changed a lot as far as like speed (laughs) as far as like for sure the speed thing like my first book took me so long to write and now I can also switching genres helped a lot so I'm much more naturally inclined to writing like romance than I am like fantasy Mm -hmm. um so it's a lot faster for me to write but yeah my process has changed also the way I deal with professionals the way I find people to work with Mm -hmm. um because I definitely have had my share of like speed bumps and like not great experiences you know I think Mm -hmm. you just need to like put your toe in the water and see what's going to work for you and what won't. So, so now I think I also have like a much better idea of like what my goals are, what to avoid. So a lot, I've learned a lot in like two years, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot of, you know, same for like following other professionals and narrating for me was the thing that inspired me to get back into writing. Cause I would get like one or two chapters written and then it would fall away for me (laughs) and so like narrating was the thing for me when I got started in narrating it was like partly selfish because I was narrating a lot of nonfiction and I wanted to narrate fiction so I was like I'll just write it myself (laughs) yeah (laughs) and now I narrate pretty much exclusively fiction but I still want the stories that I want (laughs) so um but yeah I do the same I started a podcast to help get tips and tricks (laughs) yeah I mean I feel like honestly that's like one of the best things about this community is being able to find people to kind of like trade knowledge with Mm-hmm. Um, because otherwise I think it would be really difficult. Like anytime a new author comes to me and they're like, I need help getting started. I don't know what to do. I'm like, follow people and mm-hmm. listen to what they have to say and then pick and choose what you're going to listen to. But like get a lot of perspectives 
immerse yourself in the community I think that's really the the best way to go about it yeah definitely definitely and that's it's so true too like one author may have you know, a bunch of advice that works for you, or they may have a bunch that does not work for you, but there may be those little tiny pieces where you're like, oh, that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And not only, not only just following them, but also like I have recently, I've, I've messaged a bunch of authors recently trying to like get all the things like ready to go for the book. And so the fact that I've been like commenting on their posts and liking their posts and like you know, conversing with them, some having them on the podcast, I can ask them these weird off the wall questions. I was asking an author I'm narrating for who's also been on the podcast. I was asking her about how ISBNs work a couple days ago, because mm-hmm. I'm like, getting down to the wire. And I'm like, I, I kind of yeah. got to know how that works. Now. <laughs> I sent a message to now this would be the one exception I had never talked to. Is it Calista Neath? Mm-hmm. I think that's how you say her name. So. Yeah. I had never talked to her ever. But she does the most beautiful PR boxes. So I messaged her out of the blue yes. and was like, can you please tell me where you get those from? <laughs> so Yeah, they're incredible. They are so willing to answer questions, even if um, Nicole York has answered a bunch of stuff for me. And I'm just like, I try to kind of spread out the questions. <laughs> so that yeah. it's not, yes. <laughs> not, not one poor author having to answer everything. But if someone's really good at something you know, why not ask them how they did it or whatever? I haven't had a single one be like, I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) Yeah, honestly, everyone's very, like, willing to share their knowledge and, like, their resources or even, like, their suppliers or the people they work with. Like, it's really nice to know that most people are, like, very supportive and open to their Mm -hmm. fellow authors, like, or any creators in the community, honestly. So since you were kind of, like, watching what everybody else was doing, I'm sure your journey is going to be a little bit different from like people who published out of the blue and had no idea at all what they were doing ahead of time. So you got your first book done. Did you go like the alpha reader, beta reader, that kind of route? Or did you just go straight to a like paid editor? Um. So previously with, uh, with my first couple works, I had gone um, dev editor, then beta readers, mm-hmm. then art editing, then art readers. Um, but I've started using some trusted alpha readers for the last couple things I've worked on. And that's been really helpful. It's just really hard for me because I, my writing process is very odd. Um, <laughs> I, uh, for most people, I would say it's not really ideal to read the b- books the way I write them until they're like really ready to go basically, because I write, I call it like the cake baking method. <laughs> okay. I like my first dra- draft is like very bare. Like I get through the scenes. I have like the di- the basic dialogue down, um, but there's not like a ton of depth. Um, and then each time I go through it, there's like more and more depth, but like with an alpha reader, they probably get my second draft. So like, there's a lot, lot of, I need to work with people who are like, what I like to ask people is tell me where you think there needs to be more and where you think like it's, it's funny because for me, I am an underwriter first and then I go back and write more and more and more and more layers to it as I go Uh through the editing process. Um, Just because like, I don't like when I read, I don't like overly intense description of things. Like I don't need someone to explain something to me in like extreme detail most of the time to like, just be like, cool, I got it. And like, keep Mm -hmm. moving. And I'm a fat, I'm like a very much like a, not a skimmer, but like I'm a very fast reader. Mm -hmm. So like, but I, I try and get like multiple perspectives on like where things like 
from someone else's perspective need to be more flushed out. So for me working with an uh, alpha reader, it's usually pretty like a, a pretty rough like version of the book. But luckily I found people that like really enjoy my writing from reading other work from me. And they're like, I don't, it's fine. I just really want to read it. And like, mm-hmm. I'm excited to do this process process with you. But so now that I'm more comfortable, because before I was so uncomfortable with people seeing that version, except mm-hmm. for my dev editor, of course, that I was like, I would be so embarrassed if someone thought this is like, what's going to come out, right. you know, but I've got, <laughs> I've also become a lot better of a writer period because you know, when, when you worked on a ton of stuff, like you just get better and better mm-hmm. with your craft. Not saying like I'm a great writer, it's just like from where I You've started improved. to where I am now, yeah. it's a big improvement, you know? So now I'm more comfortable being like, these people know me and they know this is not going to be the final draft, you know? Right. So they're willing, they're going to go into it with that mindset. And like, I'm still working through it as they're reading it. I'm just like not a very linear worker. So for me, it's hard to like let other people into the process. It's something I'm really still trying to figure out like what works best for me because I'm like a very circular cyclical cyclical person when I'm writing like I keep going back to different scenes because I'll think of something or like Mm -hmm. I just I need time to develop the characters but Mm -hmm. it's not like a like where I I can work on something for like a year and a half and like that's the amount of time I need I don't know how to explain my timeline it's very odd it's very (laughs) jumbled um somehow it works out but it's just like a very messy process frankly and I'm so grateful for the people who work with me because as much as I've like tried to like streamline everything I'm still not like one of those people who really has like a everything like very super well like organized and like super like Uh ready to go I'm just like the kind of person you it cannot for some reason get it together enough (laughs) to like be where I want to be creatively at least like I do always meet like meet my deadlines and stuff but it's like the creative process for me is just so messy so um anyways (laughs) that's so fun I've never heard that's exactly the way that I write though I assumed because I'm typically a wordy individual that I would have been an overwriter yeah and then as I was writing um I actually have one book that I like started and then I put on pause to write the one that's about to come out for me um but I send it to my alpha reader who's my best friend and and my first thing for her was just like please tell me if it reads like a book does the storyline seem like a plausible book storyline and for her I would send her the chapters I would write the chapter I would stick it in pro writing aid and edit like what was there from pro writing aid and then I would send it to her in google docs and so she got it kind of it started like after every chapter I would immediately send it to her and then it was like every weekend I would just send her what I had finished that week Mm -hmm. um but the same thing and then we kind of discussed once I had finished it like what characters needed to be fledged I knew because I had gotten 30,000 words into one book, which I then paused for six months and then like went back to read and realized this is all dialogue. Where's all the inner <laughs> description? So I had started with the book that's about to come out for me. I had like consciously made sure that I added more of that in as I was writing. But then there were still like when me and my alpha talked about it at the end, it was like, well, these two characters you didn't really talk about, like they're there and they're I'm sure there for a reason, but you don't they're not there enough for us to know that they're there for a reason. So it was like these two characters need to be like way in the scenes way more to make this all make sense. Um, And then I went in and added like 10 to 20,000 words after that. And then, yeah, then it went off to beta readers. So (laughs) That's how I am. Like, I start out with a really lean draft, and then I have to go back and literally, like, almost double it, like, as I go through all the different editing phases. And it's like, you know, I would assume, because I talk so much that, like, I write so much, too, but then it was like, (laughs) I'm like, I... 
I like descriptive books, but not overly descriptive books. So yeah, like, I agree. Ones that kind of toe the line, like I just finished Haunting and Hunting Adeline. That was a little bit on the wordy side for what I like. But then mm-hmm. I've read fantasy books that I loved the, you know, flowery poetry prose stuff in there. So I'm like, whatever. I'm an equal opportunity reader. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, I think it just really depends on how it's executed and also like the genre obviously matters and just like your taste there's so much there's so many things that go into whether something works or not for you it's Mm -hmm. so interesting because I I honestly will be like I don't like this trope and then I'll like write it and I'm like oh I love it (laughs) you know (laughs) or like I'll read something I swear I I would never like enjoy a trope for then I'll read it someone does it so well but I'm like you know what actually I take that back maybe it's not so bad after all (laughs) yeah exactly so you get your first book done, you get it out there, and then what did you do once it was, like, up and published? How did you approach marketing? Um, I really use TikTok and Instagram as my primary marketing things. I really, honestly, enjoy, I enjoy marketing for the most part. Like, if I'm burnt out, not really, but, like, if mm-hmm. I'm, you know, feeling fine, like, I really enjoy making videos and like thinking about my books in like different ways, like what my characters would say about something. So that, um, so yeah, TikTok is really my primary marketing thing. And it's just cause it's where I'm most comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I find I'm obviously not like a marketing expert as far as like nailing TikTok. I find it pretty hard to like find, um, success, but mm-hmm. I think it's like, a worth I think it's worthwhile investing for me personally because this is where my audience is especially with dark romance and as I get more into horror I'm not just looking to like target horror readers I want to like engage with like the community as a whole and like people are interested in like the art of it so I think like I know a lot of people are you know think that TikTok kind of is like a sinking ship a little bit and like for me it's like well a lot of people are still here it's where I'm most comfortable it's Uh got a lot of potential if you use it but I think like I still am not seeing like I don't think I've really ever had like a viral video about my books necessarily I've had viral videos about other things I didn't really want to go viral but (laughs) so of course (laughs) I've hidden them on my accounts but like I still have not figured out like that special like recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so mostly just social media is where I market. And I feel like I, I try to find a balance between like talking about my book and then like peeking to other like other interests people might have. Like, mm-hmm. you know, talking about things I like or relating my book to, books to other interests or like sharing book uh, recommendations that like tie into either my books or my genre or like my interests. So I try and like not go too hard with the marketing like constantly Uh like with a new pending I think it's been a little bit harder because like I'm towing the line of like not uh, an anonymity oh my gosh this is the hardest word for me to say anonymity oh my god I can't you know what I'm trying to say like being anonymous ish like not tying it back to my other pen name so it's hard because that pen name is so much like the whole brand is me and here I'm kind of starting over where I'm like okay how do you do this again like starting from scratch and stuff so um, I think it's been a little bit heavier on marketing, but I do plan to kind of like try and integrate more of my other interests now that, because when I first started, this was going to be completely anonymous. I was never going to show my face. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was like, well, that kind of marketing doesn't appeal to me. I get really bored with that personally for mm-hmm. like for creating it. And um, from what I've experienced, like most people on my other account follow me because they like me as a person Uh and like seeing me presently. So I don't think I could replicate that 
interaction, that success that I've had there without doing that here. So I've right. just kind of been like keeping them separate for work reasons and stuff. But like at the end of the day, like it, the, showing my face and like engaging with people directly is just a lot easier for me. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it all plays out in the next couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I kind of for TikTok, I show my face but I use everything under not my legal name. So like on Mm -hmm. other platforms that like I have, you know, family and friends that are on the other platforms, I do not show my Freya face over there. I do, you know, pictures and graphics and things like that over there. Um, Or I'll do videos, like I'll use Canva and make, you know, some kind of videos or whatever. I just don't do like, I, I do not cross post the TikTok videos to over there because I'm like, I had one of my other pseudonyms, so one of my family members found it and was like, is this? And then tagged my real name. And I'm like, I had to oh message her and be like, can you please untag me? <laughs> so, oh my gosh, that's my nightmare. <laughs> she likes, she likes that, that particular one is like what I started narrating under. And I have mm-hmm. another podcast under that one. And that's like the nicer one that I did tell everybody about. But that doesn't mean that I want the whole world to see my legal yeah. name tagged in it. So she was like, I'm so sorry. And she still sees my reels and she still likes them and all that. And that's fine. But I'm just like, just don't don't connect. Don't make it easy for people to find the two are connected. (laughs) So Exactly. Yeah. Same for me. I don't show my face on Instagram, at least not right now, because it does recommend it to so many people who follow me on my personal account. Like not Mm -hmm. even my author account, but my like legal personal account, because obviously it's on the same phone number saying wi-fi right. <laughs> and so people so it started I mean, actually my mom found it because of that and oh, <laughs> no. before I really started posting because she follows my other author stuff at least on Instagram where I keep it slightly more like friendly for my mom to see like yeah. it's really like no holds bar but um yeah so my Instagram started recommending it to people who follow my personal account and I was like okay so like this is just not a place where I can safely show my face until I figure something out but yeah so for same same for me yeah I just this week my my mom and my sister helped me pick the Freya Victoria name Mm -hmm. um so they they know what it is and my mom um listens to uh, my other podcast I don't think she listens to this one I don't know um, but she told me on my birthday that she was going to buy my audiobook of my book with spicy content in it that I'll be narrating. <laughs> and I'm like, oh Mom, gosh. Mom, you know that there's like sex scenes in there, right? And she's like, You're my daughter. You didn't write it. You didn't write it. And I'm like, But I'll literally be narrating it too. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Hey, oh you gosh. do you. But then this week, my PR boxes came in and she happened to be here and I was like showing them to her and she's like, I'm just, you know, the mom thing. I'm so proud of you. Um, she's like, you know, can I promote it on my Facebook? And I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, she's like, but I don't have a whole lot of church people on there. And I'm like, the problem is that I have not connected the two. I have yeah. never connected my other name. I have connected to my legal name. Like people that know me in real life know that mm-hmm. one. This one I have kept very far away. There's a handful of people that know and I would rather it stay that way as long as humanly possible. <laughs> so. Yeah, no, I totally get that. hundred percent. I would be absolutely mortified if my mom ever read anything I read with this pet name. Like there's, <laughs> I let her read my other stuff and she doesn't read the spicy parts anymore because she tried to and she, she, well, I told her not to. She was like, 
I don't care. I'm an adult, you know? And I was like, okay, well you, uh, you're, you're the one who said I have to deal with that mentally. So she like started to, she's like, I couldn't do it. I just kept picturing me. I was like, that's literally the grossest thing I've ever heard. Then my grandma. So I sent my grandma, like an edited copy. Like I literally tore out the spicy scene and she, so she had to wait for me to finish, like to get it, like to get my author copies to send her one. She did not wait. She is the most dumber woman. She got a copy and just decided to start reading it. Like literally within like the first couple chapters, there's my scene. And she was like, Texting my mom. She's like, I cannot believe all this is written and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, I told you not to. So and I text her, like, look, if you don't put that book down right now, I'm gonna charge you for a therapy bill for me having to figure that like to have to like deal with you reading this. Because I was like, it was way spicier than the first one. And so because it's not just like, you know typical stuff there's definitely like kinky inspired things so I was like please don't read that I don't need you <laughs> please don't she reads like she's always like I read romance I was reading romance before before you were born I was like yeah your romance books are a very different brand than what yeah. is currently popular in romance I'm so yes. sorry to tell you um but I need you to know that this is not gonna <laughs> this is gonna shock you into next century and so finally she put it down she said I just I skipped the spicy parts. I just, whenever it would get any kind of heat, I would just skip it. And I was like, sure, whatever. We never need to talk about this again. So. Yeah. Don't ever tell me. Don't yeah. ever tell me. Yeah, my yeah. um, my brother-in-law was one of my, my, my husband's brother was one of my beta mm-hmm. readers. And so this first book is a slow burn. I was like, I just need, I wanted at least five people's eyes on it because I wanted a, a range of opinions. Yeah. His copy, I had a note just before. It's a very slow burn, like four chapters, five chapters before the end, before anything ever happens. And so I like had a note in his copy, like sex scenes past this point. (laughs) If you go past it, that's on you. Um, And I had warned him ahead of time. And he was like, just don't tell me if you're putting stuff you and my brother do in there. (laughs) Oh, no. I'm like, like, I will never tell you that ever. I never would tell you that. (laughs) But the note, he said he just kind of skimmed through it. So he didn't beta read those chapters, but everybody else did. So (laughs) I'm like, fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. He will he will no longer be beta reading for me though. So <laughs> I was like, I have enough other people now that we're good. <laughs> yeah, my little sister, we're super close, but she um I wrote like, like a holiday like erotic romance <laughs> for a anthology that I did last year. And she was like, Is it erotic or is it spicy? Or is there like actually a plot? And I was like, Well, there is a, there's things happening. There's a plot, like, but it is super spicy. It's only like, you know, a couple chapters. It's short. And I was like, So, you know, the ratio is high. And right. like, It'll be fine. It's like a Jack Frost erotica, too. And she was like, I will never get the image of like an icicle, you know, <laughs> out of my head. And you writing that just sitting in your room so casually and I was like probably with know, a straight face too no literally I was like it's just like me it's like basically the same at this point as like describing like the scene in a room it's just so like routine to me like writing yeah that like I'm like yeah it's just like so not a big deal like I don't you know and she was like yeah I probably won't be reading any more of your romance books so. <laughs> and she's My like I'll buy sister. them but yeah mm-hmm. I'll buy them to support you but <laughs> Yeah, and I was like, it's for, it's fine. I don't need you to. I don't need you to read them. I'm good. I have plenty of other people to read them for me. It's okay. I have not talked to my sister at all. She doesn't read a whole lot. Um, yeah. So I'm like, I don't. I've never asked. Like, are you going to buy my books or like that's between her and her. Like, yeah. if she yeah. if she well, wants to read them, a fine. lot. So oh, you know, okay. it was yeah. kind of a natural thing. And she actually read romance before I did. I used to be like a strictly like thriller 
and like fantasy reader and then she's always been the romance reader and now like Uh. you know so (laughs) alexia liked the little mermaid growing up today we'll be reading another hans christian anderson story the red shoes don't forget we're reading les mortes de arthur the story of king arthur and of his noble knights of the round table on our patreon you can find the link in the show notes the red shoes Here was once a pretty, delicate little girl who was so poor that she had to go barefoot in summer and wear coarse wooden shoes in winter, which made her little instep quite red. In the center of the village, there lived an old shoemaker's wife. One day, this good woman made, as well as she could, a little pair of shoes out of some strips of old red cloth. The shoes were clumsy enough, to be sure, but they fitted the little girl tolerably well. And anyway, the woman's intention was kind— The little girl's name was Karen. On the very day that Karen received the shoes, her mother was to be buried. They were not at all suitable for mourning, but she had no others, so she put them on her little bare feet and followed the poor plain coffin to its last resting place. Just at that time, a large old-fashioned carriage happened to pass by, and the old lady who sat in it saw the little girl and pitied her. "'Give me the little girl,' she said to the clergyman." and I will take care of her. Karen supposed that all this happened because of the red shoes, but the old lady thought them frightful and ordered them to be burned. Karen was then dressed in neat, well-fitting clothes and taught to read and sew. People told her she was pretty, but the mirror said, you're much more than pretty, you're beautiful. It happened not long afterwards that the queen and her little daughter, the princess, traveled through the land, All the people, Karen among the rest, flocked toward the palace and crowded around it, while the little princess, dressed in white, stood at the window for everyone to see. She wore neither a train nor a golden crown, but on her feet were beautiful red Morocco shoes, which it must be admitted were prettier than those the shoemaker's wife had given to little Karen. Surely nothing in the world could be compared to those red shoes." Now that Karen was old enough to be confirmed, she, of course, had to have a new frock and new shoes. The rich shoemaker in the town took the measure of her little feet in his own house, in a room where stood great glass cases filled with all sorts of fine shoes and elegant shining boots. It was a pretty sight, but the old lady could not see well and naturally did not take so much pleasure in it as Karen. Among the shoes were a pair of red ones, just like those worn by the little princess, Oh, how gay they were. The shoemaker said they had been made for the child of a count, but had not fitted well. Are they of polished leather that they shine so? asked the old lady. Yes, indeed, they do shine, replied Karen. And since they fitted her, they were bought. But the old lady had no idea that they were red, or she would never in the world have allowed Karen to go to confirmation in them, as she now did. Everyone, of course, looked at Karen's shoes, And when she walked up the nave to the chancel, it seemed to her that even the antique figures on the monuments, the portraits of clergymen and their wives with their stiff ruffs of long black robes, were fixing their eyes on her red shoes. Even when the bishop laid his hand upon her head and spoke of her covenant with God and how she must now begin to be a full-grown Christian, and when the organ pealed forth solemnly and the children's fresh, sweet voices joined with those of the choir, still Karen thought of nothing but her shoes— In the afternoon, when the old lady heard everyone speak of the red shoes, she said it was very shocking and improper, and that in the future, when Karen went to church, it must always be in black shoes, even if they were old. 
The next Sunday was Karen's first communion day. She looked at her black shoes and then at her red ones, and again at the black and at the red, and the red ones were put on. The sun shone very brightly, and Karen and the old lady walked to church through the cornfields, for the road was very dusty. At the door of the church stood an old soldier, who leaned upon a crutch and had a marvelously long beard that was not white but red. He bowed almost to the ground and asked the old lady if he might dust her shoes. Karen, in her turn, put out her little foot. Oh, look what smart little dancing pumps, said the old soldier. Mind you do not let them slip off when you dance. And he passed his hands over them. The old lady gave the soldier a half penny and went with Karen into the church. As before, everyone saw Karen's red shoes. And all the carved figures, too, bent their gaze upon them. When Karen knelt at the chancel, she thought only of the shoes. They floated before her eyes, and she forgot to say her prayer or sing her psalm. At last, all the people left the church, and the old lady got into her carriage. As Karen lifted her foot to step in, the old soldier said, See what pretty dancing shoes. And Karen, in spite of herself, made a few dancing steps. When she had once begun, her feet went on of themselves. It was as though the shoes had received power over her. She danced round the church corner. She could not help it, and the coachman had to run behind and catch her to put her into the carriage. Still, her feet went on dancing, so that she trod upon the good lady's toes. It was not until the shoes were taken from her feet that she had rest. The shoes were put away in a closet, but Karen could not resist going to look at them every now and then. Soon after this, the old lady lay ill in bed, and it was said that she could not recover. She had to be nursed and waited on, and this, of course, was no one's duty so much as it was Karen's, as Karen herself well knew. There happened to be a great ball in the town, and Karen was invited. She looked at the old lady, who was very ill, and she looked at the red shoes. She put them on, for she thought there could not be any sin in that, and of course there was not, but she went next to the ball and began to dance. Strange to say, when she wanted to move to the right, the shoes bore her to the left, and when she wished to dance up the room, the shoes persisted in going down the room. Down the stairs they carried her at last, into the street and out through the town gate. On and on she danced, for dance she must, straight out into the gloomy wood. Up among the trees something glistened. She thought it was the round red moon, for she saw a face, but no, it was the old soldier with the red beard, who sat and nodded, saying, See what pretty dancing shoes. She was dreadfully frightened and tried to throw away the red shoes, but they clung fast and she could not unclasp them. They seemed to have grown fast to her feet, so dance she must. And dance she did over field and meadow, in rain and in sunshine. By night and by day and by night it was by far more dreadful. She danced out into the open churchyard, but the dead there did not dance. They were at rest and had much better things to do. She would have liked to sit down on the poor man's grave where the bitter tansy grew. But for her there was no rest. She danced past the open church door, and there she saw an angel in long white robes and with wings that reached from his shoulders to the earth. His look was stern and grave, and in his hand he held a broad glistening sword. Thou shalt dance, he said, in thy red shoes till thou art pale and cold, and till thy body is wasted like a skeleton. Thou shalt dance from door to door, and wherever proud, haughty children dwell. Thou shalt knock that hearing thee, they may take warning. Dance thou shalt dance on. 
"'Mercy!' cried Karen. But she did not hear the answer of the angel, for the shoes carried her past the door and on into the fields. One morning she danced past a well-known door. Within was the sound of a psalm, and presently a coffin strewn with flowers was borne out. She knew that her friend, the old lady, was dead. And in her heart she felt that she was abandoned by all on earth and condemned by God's angel in heaven. Still on she danced, for she could not stop through thorns and briars while her feet bled. Finally she danced to a lonely little house where she knew that the executioner dwelt. And she tapped at the window saying, Come out, come out. I cannot come in, for I must dance. The man said, Do you know who I am and what I do? Yes, said Karen, but do not strike off my head, for then I could not live to repent of my sin. Strike off my feet, that I may be rid of my red shoes. Then she confessed her sin, and the executioner struck off the red shoes, which danced away over the fields and into the deep wood. To Karen it seemed that the feet had gone with the shoes, for she had almost lost the power of walking. Now I have suffered enough for the red shoes, she said. I will go to the church that the people may see me. But no sooner had she hobbled to the church door than the shoes danced before her and frightened her back. All that week she endured the keenest sorrow and shed many bitter tears. When Sunday came, she said, I am sure I must have suffered and striven enough by this time. I am quite as good, I dare say, as many who are holding their heads high in the church. So she took courage and went again. But before she reached the churchyard gate, the red shoes were dancing there, and she turned back again in terror, more deeply sorrowful than ever for her sin. She then went to the pastor's house and begged as a favor to be taken into the family service, promising to be diligent and faithful. She did not want wages, she said, only a home with good people. The clergyman's wife pitied her and granted her request, and she proved industrious and very thoughtful. Earnestly she listened when at evening the preacher read aloud the Holy Scriptures. All the children came to love her, but when they spoke of beauty and finery, she would shake her head and turn away. On Sunday, when they all went to church, they asked her if she would not go too, but she looked sad and bade them go without her. Then she went to her own little room, and as she sat with the psalm book in her hand, reading its pages with a gentle, pious mind, the wind brought to her the notes of the organ— she raised her tearful eyes and said, Oh God, do thou help me. And the sun shone brightly, and before her stood the white angel that she had seen at the church door. He no longer bore the glittering sword, but in his hand was a beautiful branch of roses. He touched the ceiling with it, and the ceiling rose, and at each place where the branch touched it, there shone a star. He touched the walls, and they widened so that Karen could see the organ that was being played at the church. She saw, too, the old pictures and statues on the walls, and the congregation sitting in the seats and singing psalms, for the church itself had come to the poor girl in her narrow room, or she in her chamber had come to it. She sat in the seat with the rest of the clergyman's household, and when the psalm was ended, they nodded and said, Now didst well to come, Karen. This is mercy, said she. It is the grace of God. The organ pealed, and the chorus of children's voices mingled sweetly with it. The bright sunshine shed its warm light through the windows over the pew in which Karen sat. Her heart was so filled with sunshine, peace, and joy that it broke, and her soul was borne by a sunbeam up to God, where there was nobody to ask about the red shoes. Thank you for joining Freya's Fairy Tales.
Be sure to come back next week for the conclusion of Alexia's journey to holding her own fairy tale in her hands and to hear another of her favorite fairy tales.